I want to talk about a, a guy in the Bible that a lot of people don't know about. And if you haven't read the Old Testament, you know, it, it, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have ever heard about him. Except for this guy by the name of Bruce Wilkerson who wrote a book that sold millions and millions and millions of copies in Christian bookstores. And they probably even had it at Walmart. And that was a guy named Jabez. Now, when you read through the Bible... Uh, my wife was just talking to me recently. She said, you know, Kirk, is it all right if I, you know, when I'm reading through Leviticus, if I kind of skip the sacrifice stuff? <laughs> she says, I'm getting there. I'm getting a little bogged down. I said, yeah, go ahead. I said, I love it, but go ahead. You know, you get to some areas in the scriptures when you read. And I try to read through the Bible. I read through the Bible every year and I read a different translation every year, an unmarked translation. So I start off from scratch. And uh, when you get to... First Chronicles, I mean, the first 10 or more chapters of First Chronicles is just a bunch of genealogies, you know, and, and it's just you read it and, and I try to read every word. I don't know what I'm reading. Lehiphafel and Balakagi and Rubinik and Ruba, Rubik's Cube. And, you know, you get all these different names. Right. And so you just keep reading. Then all of a sudden. It's like, it's like God says, okay, we got to give them a break from these genealogies. All of a sudden, out of the blue, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, there's this parenthetical footnote. And it's this story about this guy named Jabez. Now, I'm going to go through verse by verse in a minute, but I'm just going to jump and just, just you know, if you have your, your, your Bibles, I'm going to read this. This is a little different translation than what is going to be on the screen. But let me just read those two verses in totality and then we'll break it down. Verse 9, it says, Jabez was more honored than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I bore him in pain. Jabez called on Israel's God, if only you would greatly bless me and increase my territory. May your power go with me to keep me from trouble so as not to cause me pain. And God granted his request. Powerful two verses. Now, the book caught like wildfire. There was, you know, Jabez everything from Jabez daily devotions to Jabez the book to Jabez this, Jabez t-shirts. And it went crazy. It was like one of those things in, in, in the church that just kind of takes on a life of its own. Kind of like Let It Go with Frozen. You know what I mean? We were at Hollywood Studios and we did the Frozen sing-along. I tried to get Karen to sing. She wouldn't sing. I don't know what the deal was. But when they got, when, when Elsa started belting out Let It Go, you know, you saw the kids. They were just letting it go, you know. And, and, and like, let it go just took on a whole new life of itself, right? Yes. Well, that prayer did too. And, but can I just tell you, it kind of bothered me a little bit. And the reason why it bothered me a little bit is because most of the focus from that book, I'm not saying this was Bruce Wilkerson's intent. I'm just saying what happened. Most of the focus was, how can I get blessed? How can I enlarge my territory? Meaning, how can I get more from God? How can I have a more successful church? How can I expand my ministry? 
How can I have a bigger business? And, and that's what, it took on a life of itself to that direction. I thought to myself, well, I don't know if that was really God's intent with that parenthetical footnote. One thing I like about what Pastor Matt always says is that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And may I suggest, even though the text doesn't tell us this, that Jabez was also a father. He was a Jewish man. Most Jewish men got married, had kids. I mean, that was just expected. He was uh, from Jewish writings. He was a rabbi. So I'm sure he had his, his own brood of kids and as a father. And I want to I dig a little bit into this prayer, what Jabez was really, Jabez, what Jabez was really trying to say. And so I want to call this the prayer of Jabez Remix. How many know what a remix is? Yeah, you know, you got a song, you know, and then, and then someone cranks it up a little bit. Where's Eddie? Give me a little beatbox, Eddie. Come on. Yeah, you crank it up. So we're going we're gonna to remix it here a little bit, okay? What I want to look at in this prayer of Jabez is I'm going to look at it from the standpoint of the choices that we make as men and women. So this applies to everybody, but I'm speaking to men, too, in a very special way this morning. The choices that you and I make and how that affects our lives and how we can bless God and others more. Rather than becoming blessed, how can we become a blessing? And how can we honor God by serving others? So... Number one, the first part of this verse, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, the Hebrew word for honorable means to have a weight, to be um, heavy. It's kind of like coffee cups. When I go to a coffee shop and they give me a little chintzy little china cup, I know two things. Number one, it's not going to hold the amount of coffee I want. And the coffee's going to get cold like that. Come on. But when they give me one of those big, heavy, beautiful mugs, I mean, when it takes two hands to lift it to my mouth, I know it's going to hold the coffee I want, and I know it's a quality mug. That's kind of the context of that Hebrew word, to have this weight and heavy. It's not, it's not just a, a gold uh, veneer over a thin piece of tin, but it's 24 karat solid gold. There's, there's some weight and there's some worth to it. The English word means to be respected, worthy of respect, regarded with esteem. And so, number one, the first point I want to make to you is that in this prayer, I believe we need to glean, we need to reach for honor. Reach for honor in life. Now, so many people reach for respect. Not respect, I mean success. They reach for success. They reach for their borders being enlarged. They reach for, well, there's some things I would like. I told my wife on the way here. Uh, how many have Facebook? And you do Facebook. And then they have Facebook Marketplace. Well, what I love is that it, they kind of they spy on you. And when you look at certain things, they start giving you more of those, right? So I've pulled up some classic cars because I love cars. And all of a sudden, I'm getting all these beautiful classic cars. And, and in there, I went, Karen, you won't believe it. 
the car I had when I was a kid, my first car, and it was gorgeous, and it was restored, and it had rims on it. I mean, it was beautiful. And I said, and all I need is $28,000. So on my way to church this morning, I said, hey, if Dan could get them $270,000, do you think I could call Dan and he'd get me $28K? Yeah, that's where, it, yeah, some of you said amen. So <laughs> we, have, we have in the church bought into the world's definition of success. We bought into the world's definition of what it means to be healthy and whole. We think it, it means stuff and accumulation and promotion. But it doesn't mean that. It means to be weighty, to be heavy, to be worthy of respect, to be a man or a woman of integrity. Proverbs 22 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Proverbs 21, 21 says, Whoever follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. Now the Targum which is an explanation of the Hebrew scriptures um, to those who weren't speaking the language anymore, writes about this guy named Jabez. And it says about him in the commentary that he was wiser in the law than his brethren. Meaning he knew the word of God. He loved the word of God. He loved the commands of God. And that's how he grew in honor. The Jewish writers affirm that he was an eminent doctor in the law whose reputation drew so many scribes around him that a town was named and called by his name. Now that's honor, to be a man and woman of God, to allow the word of God to grow in our lives. This needs to be the most favorite book and, and pursuit in our life, the word of God. There's nothing else that will help you grow. Second point, his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. The second point I want to make in this remix of this prayer and, and this prayer to God for favor and for blessing is that we need to resist the world's mold. We need to resist the world's mold. There are always two forces at work in our lives. There's the Holy Spirit of God trying to conform us into the image of Christ. And there's the pressures of this life trying to conform us into the image of this world. And those are always at work, even for the believer. You think that if you've been a pastor for 40 years or 20 years or whatever it is, that in the ministry all your life, like Pastor Matt was said, never was not in church, that, that we don't face the stresses and the pressures and the temptations of life? We do. They're always there trying to pull us off track, trying to pull us away. The, the word Jabez means sorrow, and his mom gave it to him. I think of that old Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. And I thought, my goodness, can you imagine that poor guy growing up? Every time his mom called him, he was reminded that he was a pain. Basically, it wasn't like saying, hey, Kirk, come over here. It's, hey, pain. Yeah. 
Remember, man, you caused me pain. Hey, pain, come here. Clean up your room. Hey, pain, come here. Mow the grass. Hey, pain, come here. It's time for dinner. Every moment of his life, he was reminded over and over and over again his name was Pain. Even when his friends called him, hey, Pain, let's play soccer. Hey, Pain, let's go to, let's go to school. <coughs> hey, Pain, you want to go to the movies? My goodness. Now, Jabez had a choice. What was he going to let define his life? When I grew up, as much as I, I, my dad taught me the importance of loving God and worshiping God. But my dad was pulled more by his work than anything else in his life. In fact, when I review my life and I was talking to my sister, we were just kind of talking about my dad and she came out. Many of you met her a couple weeks back and I said, you know, I really only have two memories of my dad. Meaning, two memories where my dad and I did something together. And she said, I only have one. And my dad always worked. He worked Monday through Friday. He traveled. He, he was just working all the time. He wasn't an unkind father. He was a lot, you know, he provided for us. He would have given me the shirt off his back. But I didn't know my dad until the last three years of his life. And um, I grew up as a middle child. How many middle children do we have in here? Yeah. And, and as a middle child, especially when your younger brother's nine years younger than you, you know, you, you, just, you just are like, I was in my room a lot by myself because it was either the baby Chris or my older sister. And, you know, I was just like, okay. And I grew up with whispers of, of insignificant, inadequate. Now, my parents never said that to me, but that's the way I grew up. And one of the reasons back then is that you didn't have Facebook or computers. I mean, there wasn't those things to do. You, you really couldn't, you couldn't be a geek and be cool. If you didn't know how to play sports and you grew up when I grew up as a young boy, it was tough because that's all you had to do. And I remember, I mean, always in the playground area we, where I lived, two streets, and then there was our elementary school and there was big fields and then the basketball courts and everything. And we just always hung out there. And so no matter whether it was soccer or football or over the line or basketball that got down to this everyone's picking teams and then there's two guys left and I was always a really short little guy skinny little guy when I was in eight, eight, ninth grade I was four foot 11 inches tall and weighed 98 pounds and I was the second fastest kid in the school but I was a really little runt and uh and they'd get down to like well we'll take Jimmy and the other guy would say, eh, I guess we got Xander, come on. And that was what I grew up with. And so I, I felt insignificant. I felt inadequate. And, and that, that really 
followed me all over my life. But I thought, you know, there came a moment when I said, wait a minute. Am I going to let those things define me or am I going to let God define me? Am I going to let the world tell me who I am or am I going to let my good, good father tell me who I am? And when he says you are loved by me, I know I am. And so I rose above that. It took a while, but I had to fight. And I, I thought about this and you know, the, the scripture in Romans 12, you know it where it says, don't be conformed into the world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, when, when we used to go to the zoo um, in San Antonio, when we lived there, my daughter was about five, between five and nine. And we went the first time to the zoo and, and she'll remember this. And I went, oh man, they got a mold And I, I said, I remember the mold when I was a kid. And I got all excited, so I'm getting my money out right away because we're going to do the mold baby. If you don't know what a mold is, Lord, would you just comfort them right now? Just place your arms around them. They don't know what the mold is. So the mold it's like this neat machine. It's in this big bubble glass case, and you put your quarters in it, and all of a sudden it shows you what you're going to get. You're going to get like a dinosaur or an elephant or a lion, and it comes together. And then you hear a it's pumping, and it's all this hot liquid going in, and then all of a sudden, it's a thing of beauty. It's, it's a wonder of life. It goes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. <laughs> then you pick it up and it's still kind of hot. You're playing hot potato. But that mold just made this beautiful, beautiful something. You can be pressed in God's loving hands. Or you can be pressed in the destructive forces of this world. How many remember the, the story about the gathering demoniac? Jesus is coming to the town. There was this guy who was demon possessed and he would tear half naked, tearing himself from chains, breaking himself, cutting himself. And he just was a mess. And everybody just stay away from that guy. They had to find him. He was broken. There is no way he could be made right. Well, Jesus came to him and he said, demon, come out. And then he looked at the man. And this is where most people, I think, miss this point. He said, what is your name? And then the demon spoke up. Legion. I don't believe Jesus was talking to the demon. I think Jesus was looking right past that demonic brokenness and looking right into the heart of that young man. And he said, what's your name? And this morning, God's saying, what's your name? Resist the world's mold. Number three, we're going to go faster now. First Corinthians uh, Chronicles 4.10a and Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel. Number three, build your life on God. Pastor Matt's been talking about that. 
but we need to build our life on God. Jabez had a choice to make what would be the foundation of his life. Would he build on the hurt and disappointment and brokenness of his past, or would he build his life upon the word of God? Jabez chose wisely. He decided to build his life on Jehovah, the God of Israel, the one true God. And 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15 tells us about building and building wisely. In life, you and I, uh, if we know Christ, we're saved and we're going to heaven. But, but there's more to the story. We're all building our lives. And the choices we make now and the pathway we walk in now will determine our eternal rewards. You're all going to get a crown. Some will get a Burger King crown. And some will get a crown of gold. I don't want a Burger King crown. I don't want to take the life that God's given me and, and not invest it wisely. And, and if you build your life on God, there's a crown of glory that's, that's being kept for you. It's being held for you. And, and it's building with gold, silver, and precious stones. When you love God, when you love one another, when you love His Word, and when your focus is on leading people to know Jesus and being a blessing to others, you're building with gold, silver, and precious stones. When you're building with anything else, you're building with wood, hay, and stubble. So build your life on God. Jabez decided to build his life on God. Number four. 1 Chronicles 4.10b, Oh, he said that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. So very simply, seek God's plan. Pastor Matt's been preaching on this. Sorry, I think I stole some of your points. But listen to this. Jabez was not asking the Lord to rubber stamp the plan that he had made. I'm going to say that again. He wasn't asking Jabez, uh, God to... To rubber stamp Jabez's plan, he was saying, God, what is your plan for my life? What do you want for my life? Jabez was asking the Lord to allow him to enter into the promised territory. Now, you got to understand that when you read the book of Joshua and Judges, you realize that even though God divided all of the land to the Israelites, <clears throat> they didn't all possess it right away. In fact, God said, you're going to possess it gradually. Otherwise, you'll be overcome. And so each one of them, let's say, Eddie, you got a plot of land. And, uh, and it was from that car to that car. And right in the middle, there was some Canaanites. Now, God already said, Eddie, you got four, you got eight. You got eight parking spots. But there's a Canaanite parked in a in some kind of a Honda out there, a Honda Accord. And, and they're, they're taking up one of your parking spots. So what Jabez was praying is, Lord, bless me so I can enter into the inheritance that you've already decreed to me. Bless me so that I can enlarge my territory, meaning I got eight spots, Lord. But only two are open. And there's a lot of work to be done here. And I want all that you've given me. 
It's not, Lord, give me what I want, but it's, Lord, I want to enter into everything you want for me. Whenever I talk to so many pastors, I don't know if this is true for you, Matt, but every pastor I've talked to thought, you know, when I hang up my shingle out there, the world's going to come. You know, they're going to hear that Pastor Kirk Elzender is here and, and, and I'm going to be the next megachurch pastor. I never was. I was a small church pastor all my life. And you know what I realize now? I wouldn't want to be a megachurch pastor. Um, I knew what God is calling and his plan for me. And I, I, I struggled against it so much of my life. And if I only would have just rested in it, I would have enjoyed my journey so much more. I came out to Florida. I knew I wanted to be closer to my daughter. That was one of the main, main goals. But I knew the Lord also had more for me in my ministry. I didn't really know what it was. And I was supposed to connect with our district. And that didn't happen for months. And I was just kind of floundering. You know, God, God we're here. Hello. Everything's unpacked. I can park both cars in the garage. I'm ready. You know, whatever you want to do. God, are you up there? You know? And then I went to Connection. And out of the blue, like God always does, He began to crystallize and begin to show me what He wants me to do. More to come on that. Notice this. That the last point I'm going to go matches Jabez's prayer matches the Lord's prayer. When on the point, build your life on God and choosing God and putting God first. In this manner, Jesus said, pray our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. In seeking God's plan, Jesus said, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And this is a quote. If you want to, if you want to uh, give me credit for this, I, I, I made it up. So, as the right theologian Kirk Alexander once said, there is a difference between seeking God's kingdom and seeking God to bless our kingdom. Number five. We only got seven to go, and I still got time on the clock. So don't worry. The chicken's still going to be ready. Okay. First Chronicles 4.10c, that your hand would be with me. Trust God's promise. Trust God's promise. Jabez placed his life, his purpose, and his endeavors in the hand of Jehovah Jireh. If you've ever studied the eight wonderful personal names of God, that's a wonderful study to do. And God revealed himself in very personal ways with his covenant name, Jehovah, and then with a following name that showed his character. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals you. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord God, our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, our peace. And Jabez was entrusting his life to Jehovah Jireh. Remember that old song, Pastor Matt. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Yes. So is that part of the Lord's prayer? Well, let me see. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Matthew 6.33 says, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's not saying do a bunch of Christian stuff. It's saying make God the destination, the journey, the beginning of every moment of your life. Consider him, consider his kingdom in everything and anything you do. Even when I'm selling jalapenos, that's my other job. And rice and beans and pasta and cookies. That's what I do. I sell groceries. Not out of the back of my car. <laughs> Number six. First Chronicles 10D. Some of you looked a little worried there for a moment. I didn't. Hey, come over there. Yeah, look what I got in the trunk of my car. Real cheap. And that you would keep me from evil. Continue to be transformed. Jabez trusted the Lord to keep him not only safe on his path, but from straying from the path that God had given him. And we need to do the same. Here's what I love about God. If your heart's sincere, and you really are honest with God about wanting to do his work and, and seek his kingdom first, he's going to correct you and he's going to keep you. It's kind of like Autopia at Disney World. Now, when I was a little kid, I grew up in California. I've been to Disneyland or Disney World over 150 times. And I was the king of Autopia. When I got behind the wheel of the Autopia, I was Mario Andretti. I didn't even know who that was back then. But the one thing I did, I sinned a little bit because it said, don't bump the car in front of you. Well, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> but the one thing about the Autopia is that there was this big piece of metal in the middle. And no matter how crazy I drove, and no matter how much I banged into the guy, I could never really crash. Because if I went too much to the right... Bing, it knocked me back over to the left. If I went too much to the left, bing, it knocked me back over to the right. You see, that's the way the Holy Spirit is in our life if we're really sincere with God. And if we're not, we can break that center rail. But if we are, He's going to correct us along the pathway of our life. So continue to be transformed. There's some wonderful scriptures there. James 4, 6 to 10 talks us about God's grace and, and it says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Then it says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And then it says, cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The minute you think you've arrived, you haven't even started. I, I grew up in a, well, I didn't grow up, I pastored for 20 years in a, in a church that was... Um, open to the baptism of the Holy Spirit was more in the line of holiness and in the line of, it was called the Brethren in Christ, great group of people. They believed in the gifts but didn't move demonstratively in them. And, and the second act of grace was to bring sanctification to your life. Let me tell you something, though. That doctrine taken to an extreme really caused havoc in the church. Because when you reached an old dear saint, like Brother Matt here, who thought, who said, you know, Pastor Kirk, I've been sanctified. Right. And Brother Matt, he was causing all sorts of trouble in the church. Whispering and gossip, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
And when I went to go try to correct him, right. he reminded me that he'd been sanctified. Mm -hmm. You see my point? Sure. None of us have arrived. Right. None of us are sanctified. Now, he never really did any of that. <laughs> I'm never going to be asked to speak again. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Last point. Be a life changer. First Chronicles 10e, that I may not cause pain. Jabez says, I don't want to be what the world told me I'm going to be. I don't want to be what I thought I was going to be. God, I want to be what you said I'm going to be. And I want to be a life changer. <clears throat> you know that there's only one thing in this room that's eternal. It's you. This wonderful building is not eternal. I can tell you that my 60, what was it, 65 Plymouth satellite is some, it's probably in the fender of that offending Hana out there. <laughs> it got crushed, remelted, and poured into that. Whoever, that Canaanite is taking your spot, Eddie. Anyway, that Canaanite's car out there. And if you, that's your card, you got to love me. I'm just kidding. But, but nothing, my 72 Pinto race, Pinto was, is, is, was not eternal. I'll tell you that story if I ever get invited again. Um, and so nothing is eternal except you. And that means that nothing we do in our lives is eternal except the things we do that touch people's lives. Does that make sense? And when we change a person's life, that is an eternal investment that we're making, not only in their life, but in our life and in the life of the kingdom. And when we stand before the Lord, God's never going to say to Pastor Matt or to me, well, let me see, you had X number of chairs in your sanctuary. How come you didn't have this many chairs? Well, let me see, you... You didn't, you didn't write anything or you, you didn't have a radio show. No, no, he's going to say, wow, you touched this life and this life and this life and this life. And look at this life and, oh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Everybody wants to do something with their lives that makes a difference. But the only thing that makes a difference is when we are used by God to change another person's life. And so the Lord's Prayer ends with, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And verse 10, the last part of the verse is, So God granted him. What he requested. God granted him what he requested. I want to tell you, God's still answering that prayer today. I'm just going to ask this right out here. I see most faces that I recognize in here. So I'm just going to really ask if there is there anyone here who has never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Is there anyone here? Just just look at me and, and raise your hand if there is anyone here. We're not going to move until we, we answer that question. Anyone? Okay. 
then how, how many of you want to be life changers? How many of you want to do things that make an eternal difference in people's lives? I was so blessed when, Doris, when you, when you spoke and you talked about how your husband would, would always talk about the importance of everyone's soul. That every person, and Matt, you've mentioned every person has a soul. Every person is worth our investment. Every person is worth our prayers. So, do we still have the screen up? Because I, I, I had the prayer. Did I have it printed on the last slide? Yeah, let, uh, let's put that prayer up. And would you stand with me? And if that's your heart, and if you're really, really serious about this, this morning, you know, there was a time when, when I'd be tempted to, to uh, rely on emotional responses, both in my life and the lives of others. But you know what? Emotions don't make lasting changes. They bring tears and maybe fill the altars, but God is not so interested in how you emotionally respond as in how you respond in your heart. And so if you are wanting to see God Change your life in such a way that you become a life changer like Jabez was. If you want to enter into the purposes that God has for your life, if you want to break the, the, the things that have been spoken over you and what the world has told you you are and what you maybe have convinced yourself that you are and you know you're not that, and you know you're something more, you know you're a child of God. You know you're a, a young man or a, or a man of God, a young woman or a woman of God. And you know that you're destined to do something that has purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And you know you're loved of God and you want that broken this morning. Then the Holy Spirit's here to do that. And I'm going to invite you just to follow me and to pray this out loud. And let's pray this prayer together. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And God gave them what they requested. Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you because you are a good, good father. And we are loved by you. We're not who we need to be, but we're not what we used to be. We're in this process of becoming all that you've called us to be. And we want to build our lives on you. We want to make God the very center of everything we do. We want your plan, not our plan, God. We want your words spoken of us, not the words of our past or our hurts. We want your purposes revealed and we want you to get all the glory.
And so, Lord, I pray over this church and I pray over every, every person here. Lord, do a deep, 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 deep work in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Pastor Matt always says, think about what God's spoken to you. Think about who you can tell. And think about how you can apply that in your life. I got the two and three wrong. <laughs> what God's spoken to you, how you can apply that to your life, and someone you can tell. And go and be with God. And I always did this. I know it's a little Lutheran. But I'm going to give you a blessing. Aaron was told to bless the people of Israel. And he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you shalom, his peace.